yeah, so I'm one of the pastors here. So if I've not met you before, I'd love to be able to say hello to you. So please come say hi at the end of the service. And uh, we are just... Uh, launching into a series that we actually started at the beginning of the year and then we sort of pushed pause for a wee bit and we've picked it up again and it's looking at kingdom values. It's the things that are really important to us as followers of Jesus and some of those are particularly important to us here in the vineyard and so we're wanting to help you to know what those are and what uh, we're invited into as we follow Jesus together. And uh, as I was reflecting on today, I was thinking about, do you remember, some of this might be quite near memories for you, for me it's a little while ago, but do you remember team selection at school? You know, when it was sports and uh, they'd, you know, they'd be like wanting to set up the teams, they, the teacher hadn't organised it ahead of time, it was one of those delightful experiences, where they choose two of probably the most sporty people in the class as the captains, and then they have the job of choosing their teams. Do you remember that? Yes, yeah, see, there was a lot of things I was quite good at at school. At primary school, I did hopscotch quite well and the monkey bars, and I'm uh, just playing with my friends. And in high school, I loved drama, I loved history, I loved uh, reading, all that kind of stuff. However, sports was not really my strong suit. And so I was one of those kids that at the end you know, they've kind of they've gone through, they've picked out, they start with the cream of the crop in terms of sporting prowess, and they, you know, pick them for their teams because they want to win, and then they slowly whittle their way through, don't they? And there's that little group at the end, and I was in that little group all the time, and, uh, and you're just standing there with two or three other people praying, God, if you love me, don't let me be the last one, you know, let me make it to the team, please let somebody pick me, anyone else? It's almost like we need therapy, don't we? It's like traumatic. I don't know why. Whoever came up with that scheme's mad. Well, they were the sporty ones, weren't they? And felt fine about the whole thing. Well, the good news is that for us, in choosing to follow Jesus, is the good news is, is that we are on the team. He picked us. We made it. We are in. And, uh, and that's what I'm going to spend a little bit of time looking at today, is this whole idea of everyone gets to play. It's for all of us. We're included. Jesus is this amazing welcome and invitation to all of us to come in into relationship with him and into his family and into all that he does here on the earth. And it's pretty exciting. And this is the way that we express that within the vineyard. We are a movement of people who want to learn to live like Jesus lived, not simply believe what Jesus believed. And we don't want this limited to the professional clergy. We believe that anyone can learn to live the kind of life that Jesus did. The phrase that has come to embody this value is, everyone gets to play, which is another way of saying that the Holy Spirit will empower anyone to do what Jesus did. Does that sound good news to you? I was so excited about this. Last week, Matt was talking about uh, just telling some stories of how, you know, when we came into the vineyard, some of the things we experienced. We'd both grown up in different parts of the church. And, and it's not like the vineyard is the cream of the crop or anything. It's just that this is the bit of the family that God has called us to and called us to serve. But it's a part of the whole family of God. All churches have their part to play. However, this is our bit of the family that God's called us to. And, uh, and we were pretty excited about this. I, I grew up in a small town, Kawaro. Ever heard of it? Yeah, some, but not many. It's this tiny little town in the Eastern Bay of Plenty. So I'm this, you know, 
young woman grew up in a small town in a small country at the bottom of the world that really no one knows about or cares much about. And here I was, I came into this thing of where I was invited to participate in the things that Jesus does. And John Wimber, who was the spiritual father of the Vineyard Movement, he was a genius at taking big ideas and making them into these simple little phrases so that we could kind of grab a hold of them and start to live into them. And he would talk about how everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play. We all get to do this. There's permission for all of us. We're all included. And the reason that he came to this is based on Ephesians 4 verse 12. And this is what it says. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And it goes on to talk about us becoming mature. The reason why the church has been given pastors, preachers, teachers, evangelists is not so that they're going to go do the stuff, it's to equip us to go do the stuff, that we all get to do this. We all get to participate. Everyone is included and everyone gets to be involved. And then really the invitation is open. It's up to us to decide, do I want to say yes to that? Do I want to live into this? Because there's no elitism. We need to be careful. We know we do this. We live in a world that loves hierarchy. And we can do that in the church. And we need to be careful that we don't. It's a level playing field. Uh, Carl Tuttle, who we worked for years ago, he's just like, you know, the pay is the same. Whether you're, you know, putting out chairs or serving coffee or cleaning the toilets after everybody's left or speaking at the front or you're on the worship team, the pay is the same. It's all the same. It's a level playing field. So there's no room for elitism. We all get to do this. There's no one excluded because of age or, so you're not too young, you're not too old, you're not the wrong gender, you don't have, you know, you don't have to have this massive education before you're allowed to do this, you don't have to be super spiritual, whatever that is, you know, but we sort of can do that, can't we? We look at some people and we go, well, you know, they can do that because, and usually it's to exclude ourselves. That's not what Jesus is wanting for us. The phrase that John Wimber was known to say often was everyone gets to play. His goal was to create opportunities for normal people, like us, to do extraordinary things. The action wasn't always on the stage, but all around the room. In those vineyard meetings, he would give opportunities for people to learn how to pray for one another and begin discerning how to hear God's voice. And as that practice built confidence, faith would spill out of the room, traveling everywhere those people went. The goal of the vineyard has always been to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to train ordinary people to do extraordinary things. That has always been the idea behind the calling of the vineyard movement in the world. Ordinary people getting to do extraordinary things because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. That is pretty exciting. So you can be a Christian for five minutes and God will use you if you're available. You can be a Christian for 60 years and God will use you. You know, you, just, you don't have to have it all figured out before God will use what you offer him. You don't have to have everything sorted out. You don't have to have all your theology straight, which was good news for me because when I came into this whole thing, I was in my 20s, you're still figuring out who am I, what am I good at, what do I care about? You know, I, don't, I didn't have my kingdom theology down before I could start praying for people or talking to people about Jesus. 
We, got to, we learn by doing. We learn by reading and listening and all of that, but so much of our learning is doing, isn't it? I mean, the teachers in the room are going, well, yes. But we know that. However, we don't always apply it to this part of our lives. We're invited not just to uh, develop right belief about Jesus, but also to live the way that Jesus lived. And if you think about it, he didn't just come and talk about the kingdom of God. He demonstrated it for us. He showed his disciples what it looked like. And then he invited them and all of us into it. So let's have a wee think about what it was that he did. What, how did he show us what the kingdom looked like? Well, first of all, he started by showing us what intimacy with God looked like. He would regularly get away from all of the hustle and bustle and noise of life and spend time with the Father. That was where everything else flowed out of. And that's so true for us. So, you know, Matt's talking about the prayer room. It's an opportunity for us to be able to step out of our normal and out of our busy normal routines and just have an hour this week. Or some people have booked in like the same hour multiple days. So they've got this rhythm for the week that they don't normally get to do in this way. It's just an opportunity for us to cultivate intimacy with God. Jesus brought healing to people. He brought healing to their bodies, to their minds, to their emotions. He demonstrated compassion and mercy. He spoke words of life and of hope. He prayed for people with expectation that God was going to do something in their circumstances. He brought dignity to people. He loved being with the poor and with the vulnerable and the people that normally he wasn't really supposed to hang out with according to social norms. He welcomed people. He showed hospitality and he was kind. He fed people. He invited people into life and to freedom and showed them what that would be like. He hung out with his friends and he constantly made new ones. He asked questions and he listened to people. He went to parties. He loved people. We sang this morning, you know, kote mea nui, kote aroha, the most important thing is love. He loved people well. These are the things that he's calling us to live into, to be kind, to pray for one another, to hear from God for one another, to teach people by the way that we speak as well as the way that we live, to be compassionate, to practice hospitality. Does all of that sound mostly doable? Some of it you might go, don't know. But these are the things that we're made for. When we're made in the image of God, he has, Jesus has this apprenticeship model. This is how he trained his disciples. And it's still relevant for us today. He would take them with him. They'd travel around. So he had three really close buddies. Then he had 12 that he hung out with a great deal. And then he had like 72. And, you know, the numbers kind of got bigger. And proximity, you know, the time with him diminished the further out they got. But we all live like that, don't we? We have people that we're really close to and we spend lots of time with and so on and so on. So when, what Jesus did with the three and with the 12 is that he would take them and he'd show them what to do. So, for example, he'd go and pray for somebody and they would all be there and he'd show them what to do and then they'd talk about it afterwards. Then he'd get them doing it with him and then they would talk about what happened afterwards. And then ultimately, he's like, all right then, off you go. You guys go do it on your own, come back and we'll chat afterwards. And then he left them to it. It's like, okay, okay. Go establish the church across the world through all of history. And they did. The same's for us. 
We get this opportunity to learn about what Jesus does and who he is and how he lives from scripture and from people that are just further down the journey than we are. We get to learn from them. We get to practice alongside them. That's what church is for. We get to take risks and have a go at things. This is a great place. Like as Trish came up this morning, she says, I think I might have something that God would want to encourage some people with, you know, a word for them. Well, this is a place we can risk that sort of thing. Now, she's been practicing at home group and other groups for years before she's like, <gasps> big breath moment for the whole church, you know. But that's what our life groups are for. It's what our Christian living courses are for, is to give us opportunities to learn this, to practice it. And then we get to go and do it everywhere we go, outside of the confines of church, in our homes, in our neighbourhoods, in our workplaces, in our sports teams, in the grocery line at the supermarket. We get to go and do the stuff of Jesus. It's a bit like the All Blacks Development Programme. You're surprised I know about this, aren't you? I read about it. I googled. Uh, but they were doing an article last year and they were looking at how do they develop their young players. And it's, they get them and they take the ones that have got lots of promise and they put them with the experienced players. And they practice together and they get them to just to hang out with the experienced guys because they catch a lot. It's not just the, the practicing of the skills, but they catch the mindset of what it means to be an all black. The ethic behind it, or you know, and the you know, just the head games that they have to play and all that stuff. But they put them with the experienced guys on purpose, and then hopefully they give them some game time to play alongside these guys. Well, that's kind of what Jesus was doing like a really long time ago. It's called apprenticeship. It's called discipleship. That's what that is. So everyone gets to play. So everyone gets to. So there's an invitation to us. There's also a mandate. Phil Strout, who's the national director of the Vineyard in the US, he has looked at this phrase that John Wimber coined all those 20-some years ago, and uh, he said, you know, everyone gets to play. That's awesome. There's invitation. But he says, actually, if you have a look at that piece of scripture in Matthew 4, verse 19, when Jesus is inviting some men who had been fishermen to come and follow him and be his disciples, and he says this to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now we would usually read that, often read that, as like, oh God, that's cool. Jesus is inviting them to like leave the fishing boats behind and he's gonna teach them a whole new way to fish. You know, they're gonna be getting people now. I will make you fishers of men. There's another way of reading that. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I'm gonna teach you a whole different way to live. And that's the same thing for us. Everyone gets to play, everyone. That we have a mandate, we have a commission, we have been given authority to live a certain way in this whole thing of following Jesus. Phil Strout goes on to say, the church only operates well when everybody brings what they have to the table. It only operates well when we are all in. It's a bit like this epic potluck, like an organised potluck. A couple of years ago, we uh, got invited to a wedding. Matt was actually doing the marrying part of the couple, um, but they're both American, and they didn't have any family here in New Zealand, and uh, so it was just a whole lot of their friends that they'd made here in New Zealand that were part of the wedding. And it was going to be amazing, it was going to be a beach wedding down in Coromandel in March, we'd had like the most amazing weather, you know, and all of this sort of stuff, and, and the, the reception was, organised in such a way, because they didn't have a lot of money, is that we all brought 
food. But it wasn't just any old food. They were asking for your family's most favourite prized recipe for a salad or a dessert or, you know, whatever it was that you were doing. And they organised it so we'd have a good selection of everything. Well, actually, the weekend was interesting because it was a cyclone, so we um, didn't end up on the beach, uh, and we had to sort of rehash the whole thing. But I'll tell you what, it was the most fun wedding I think I've been to in years. It was not highly organised and, you know, down to the fine details, but everyone got involved. We all had to put up this makeshift marquee thing to try and, like, have room for us to actually have shelter. And, uh, and the, but the food was amazing because everyone had brought what they had. Well, they brought their best and offered it up, and we put it all together, and it was just epic. That's kind of like the church. We turn up, God's organised the potluck. He's the one who has given us this diverse array of gifts and talents and experience that we get to then bring and offer to one another, that we lay out and we just go, well, this is what I've got. Turns out it works really well with the things of the other people that are around us that collectively we've got this amazing thing. You know, there's, I read this other fantastic thing in that little booklet, uh, Vineyard Distinctives, it said everyone has something to bring to God's table that will be food for another's life. Do we believe that? I mean, like some of us are nodding and going, yeah, but really, we each have something that is nourishing and good and is life-giving for somebody here and for our community. Augustine of Hippo, he was a guy that lived uh, in the mid-300s to early 400s, and he was, a, he was a philosopher and theologian that has affected all of Western theology and philosophy. And he said this, without God, man cannot, but without man, God will not. God has chosen to limit himself, to partner with us, to do the works of the kingdom here on earth. We can't do it without him, and he won't do it without us. We have an inter... We are it. You know, like, the church is plan A. That is it. You know, like, this is how God's plan to reconcile all of mankind and creation to himself is in partnership with us. And we might be feeling a little bit insecure about that because it's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm not really sure what I have to bring, and where would I even start? And, you know, are you sure? You know, it's not just for the person next to me. And how am I going to even do that? Well, we are going to do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, Jesus says this to his disciples before he leaves them, and he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We will do it because the Holy Spirit enables us to. He empowers us to do it. We're not trying to just drum it up in our own strength. God's with us in this. Last week, Matt spoke on Come Holy Spirit. It's one of our favourite prayers. That and Help Me Jesus are like the ones that he always seems to love answering. You know, Come Holy Spirit. We invite him. We offer ourselves up to him and he will take what we have and do amazing things with us. And most of that is going to happen in our day-to-day, normal, everyday lives and just the mundane normality, the beauty of our normal lives. So everyone gets to play. We get to play. This is fun. 
You know, with kids, you look at kids, it's like you can't stop them playing. If you go up into that preschool room, they are playing. The primary kids, they try and, you know, corral them and do a little bit of teaching stuff with them, but they love playing. It's hardwired into them, and it's where they do loads of their learning. They learn about themselves, they learn about the world in their play. And somehow that gets a little bit squeezed out for us the bigger we get, hey? But we don't have to stop playing. We're invited into this adventure with Jesus that we get to do. But even though we're kind of made for this and it's kind of hardwired into our DNA, it's a bit scary, to be honest, getting started and kind of actually even just doing it. (laughs) Year after year, it can still feel a bit daunting, to be honest. But it's, I imagine it's a bit like with, you know, have you been to Stanmore Bay Beach? It's where we do our summer picnics often after church. And they've got this climbing thing. It looks like a giant spider web that's sort of just like landed in the park. And um, it's quite high. Like even as an adult, you're looking at it going, yeah, I'm betting there's some parents that hang very close when their kids climb this thing. But it's, it's designed for kids to climb up. It's like this rope thing, but it's like goes up, looks like a spider web. I'm thinking, that's quite tall. That's quite high. Even for me as an adult, I would have a workout. Then I'm not the sporty one. Um, but if I was this high, that would be huge. It would be daunting. It would be scary. And does it stop them? Not one, but they're off, man. They're just like climbing that thing and having a ball and hanging on by their fingernails. It's scary, exhilarating, and so worth it all rolled into one. It's a bit like following Jesus often, I've described it to people, it's a bit like riding a roller coaster. You strap in and you've got that moment before it goes, you know, and it's like, this is awesome and I'm going to die. You know, it's like terror and excitement all at the same time. It can feel a little bit like that, stepping out into some of these things that aren't our normal. Uh, But we get to do it and we're going to do most of that out in all of the life that we live that isn't here on a Sunday morning and amongst the people that we're with. And by, we just offer up our lives to God and we invite him into all of that we're doing and with all the people we're with. In Romans 12, 1, it says this, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Because that is where we meet him. Alan Scott, who was the uh, vineyard pastor of uh, Causeway Coast Vineyard in Northern Ireland, is now pastoring at Vineyard Anaheim in California. Uh, He was out just recently, and I heard him say this, we look for God in the supernatural, but we meet him in the mundane. Write that down. I did. (laughs) We look for him in the supernatural. We think that anything of God's going to be like having bells and whistles on it or something, or like haze and a glow, but we meet him in the mundane ordinariness of our day-to-day lives. That's where the beauty is. Everyone, every day, everywhere, we see the kingdom of God being worked out through regular people going about their lives. That's where it happens. Inside the church, this is where, and remember church, I'm not talking about this building, I'm talking about us, the people of God. This is where we get to practice. This is where we get to like take risks and have a go at things with one another. It's where we get to encourage each other. It's where we get to speak words of life and of calling and of commission to one another because we often see in one another what we can't see for ourselves. So we need to call that out in each other. We want to practice healthy relationships here and believing the best of one another. 
And then we get to go and take that beyond us, just us. You know, the movement of Jesus does not depend on institutional support. It happens organically through people empowering other people in the power of the Holy Spirit in the same way that they themselves were empowered. We give away what we've been given. It's not just for us to keep. We don't just experience God to keep him all for ourselves. We are to extend the kingdom and give it away to everybody we encounter. So we go beyond the church beyond just this family. We keep doing and being what we are becoming in the company of other people of faith. We get to go do that everywhere else in our lives. In our classroom, in our businesses, in our building sites. Uh, You know, just wherever. God's got us. That's where we carry this. It's a ripple effect. You know, I love, I have this thing in my head for us as a church as individuals, we are the single drop, but we know that, the, that who we are and what we say and the way that we behave towards other people has this ripple effect. We affect the people around us. Imagine what our community could look like with all of us doing that. Like the whole fabric and texture changes. The whole tone of our community could change if we are living this out day to day in the ordinary, normal moments of our lives and and impacting all of the people near us. Everyone, every day, everywhere, throughout the whole of the Hibiscus Coast and wherever else it is that you go, you know, wider in Auckland City. That's who we can be. And so what are some of those stories of what does it look like to be the, the people that spread the kingdom of God everywhere, every day, and for everyone? I've got a couple of people, I hope. There's one. Bex, come on down, babe. Oh, I need a la- uh, thing for you. This is Rebecca. She's our youth pastor. I've known her for a while. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, she's actually my daughter. Known her every day of her life and then a little bit more. <laughs> And uh, we didn't plan for you to become our youth pastor. It sort of just happened. It was not some cunning lilies are taking over the world scheme (laughs) uh, at all. We were all very surprised that uh, God seemed to make this all happen. But you have this unique combination going on at the moment where part of the time you're working at Coast as a youth pastor and part of the time you're working in a marketing company. Yes. And so can you tell me a little bit about what is it like for you just following Jesus looking for, you know, trying to just give away what you've been given in those two arenas. What is that like for you? Well, I think, I mean, I think the trickier part of, like, outworking that is in my, um, my marketing job, not my church job, because my church job, I'm, like, I'm constantly trying to learn more for myself so that I can be giving that away to the young people I'm teaching. So that one's quite easy, I feel like. Um, but... And that's what I'm like getting paid for as well. Helps <laughs> having a bit of extra time in my week to do that. Yeah. So that's awesome. And um, but my other job, I had quite a unique experience where I um, was hired by them a bunch of years ago, and it was just the the two owners of the company, and I was working in their um, dining room, and so I got to have some really awesome chats with them. They became my, I mean, they were my bosses, but they were kind of friends as well because you don't just like work in their house and not become friends with them. Um, So it was actually really cool. They were really open about um, 
I, I've always been really open with what I believe and um, my faith and I, and I don't mind talking about it either. And so I got to have conversations with them because if they asked, I'd just tell them um, what I thought. So that was really cool. And then from there, because I felt really comfortable in that environment and they've been really supportive of me as well. I was working there full time before I worked for church and when I asked them if I could go to part time, um, and this, the, the company's been built up, there's like 30 people that work there now, it's like a bit more normal, we're in offices and stuff like that, but they were fully supportive of me because they, this, they called it, um, they're like, we want to support you following your bliss, that's what they, they said. And um, But that was really cool and because they, they knew that it was something that was really important for me, they were fully supportive of me doing that, which was amazing. Yeah. yeah. What do they call your church job? Oh yeah, everyone at at work they call it my they call it my soul saving job. They're like, how many souls has it been this week? It's a bit funny, but it's like it's an open dialogue at work. Um, they all know what I do for my other job. All my colleagues do, and it's just cool. It's just it's not a weird thing, and it means that I can talk about it really easily with them, which is awesome. Very cool. So yeah. you've got that happening in that world. What were some of the things you talked to me a little bit about what you're loving seeing in terms of the kingdom, you know, stuff happening with youth? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, you guys probably, some of you will have seen me the other week. I was talking about going to Easter camp with youth and I, like, cried because I was just so excited about what God's doing with the young people here. And I think it's just that. It's a real privilege. I get to see every week, at least a little chunk of the week, of um, kids encountering God and learning about him and then practically outworking that amongst themselves in a smaller setting than church, big church, but in a really um, cool way. And they feel really safe, which I I mean, I hope. Um, But they are praying for one another and learning stuff and asking questions and it's really cool for us and the rest of the for me and the rest of the leaders to be able to be a part of that and to be helping them along that journey it's just it's a real privilege that's awesome yeah um can I just ask a couple of questions yep. um do you are you a super Christian <laughs> no do you have all your theology not do you got your theology all figured out no all the big questions to life and faith that's all down uh yeah I've got it sorted <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> no, but but you're meeting God in all of these places mm-hmm. regularly. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. That's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Thanks, babe. Thanks. Ta. Awesome. <laughs> when I was talking to Becca about doing this, she's like, I don't really have anything to say. Isn't this just like normal life? Isn't that the beauty of our ordinary everyday lives? That God's doing this stuff in our ordinary everyday lives. Uh, in business... You know, we've got a number of people here who own their own businesses, and uh, one of them is Phil, and he uh, runs an engineering consultancy firm. He's actually overseas at the moment, so I couldn't interview him. However, I went on their website, I stalked them, and um, this, so it's an engineering consultancy firm, so when you think of engineering, you think bridges, spreadsheets, (laughs) roads, you know, stuff that they build and things. But this is what they say on their website when they just, what's, this is in their about us part. Our core value and the ethos we operate under as a company is people matter. We apply this core value across the board to our clients, our suppliers, our partners, even the people that we pass in the street. But most importantly to our staff, our people are the key in what we do and how we do it. 
We get to carry the kingdom and build businesses that operate with integrity and with honesty and with hard work and reliability and that value people, the people they pass on the street, their staff, their clients, you know, like, so that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, Monique, are you in here? Oh, yes, she is. Cool. Come on up. Monique, um, we had a conversation <clears throat> about a year ago. Uh, we had a weekend away with church. We'll do another one next year because it was super fun. Um, but on that weekend, we ended up having this conversation with Rachel Humphrey uh, about this whole thing of praying for people. And you guys were kind of like, are we allowed to do that? Like, are you sure it's not just for like some other people? You know, is this for us? And had mixed feelings yes, <laughs> about that. Tell least. us about that. Yeah. No, I think we knew we were allowed. Yeah. We were just finding lots of excuses not to have to do it. Oh. <laughs> um, and I think... I'm just so complicated. I tell myself, why do I think so much? You know, there's so many thoughts going across me and so many excuses I can find to not having to do stuff. Mm. And even though I know it's my responsibility and it's actually what I need to do. Mm. So, yeah, I just, I drive myself crazy because one hand I I doubt myself and Mm. I find excuses. On the other hand, I want to challenge myself because I want to grow. That's awesome. And so have you been having a go? Oh, yeah. Of course, I do. <laughs> and what's that been like? Because I'm stupid. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> no? Um, That's good. Just because I think, I just taught myself, this is crazy. I don't want this to, I, d- I don't want to listen to everybody else's stories. And I've said this before, I think. I don't want to have everybody else telling me what God can do, but not experience it myself. And this is probably why I challenge myself and I push myself. Hmm. Yeah. And has it been, even, a bit, even though it's been a bit scary... Oh, yeah. You've obviously survived the experience. I can't say I, I'm overly enthusiastic about doing it any time it comes to me and I think, oh, I should be doing this. Um, but you grow. You, you, do, you do find it easier and easier mm. every time you do it. And it's amazing that when you actually let go, God can do stuff that you never even thought about. Awesome. So, mm. One of the other things that you decided last year, you came across Christians Against Poverty. Oh, yes. And decided to do the training for that. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about why that kind of captured your attention? What was it about that? Yeah, well, it's been a, gosh, it's been a long journey in that. Um, I think years ago I was in another church and they spoke about um, your passion, what, what God has put in your heart to do and mm. stuff. And I am very, I shouldn't say passionless, but I haven't, I'm not very, I don't have very, light, very high highs or very low lows. I'm very like yeah. that. So he's saying, your passion is what you get really frustrated with. And I thought, oh, there's one thing I get really frustrated with. And it is people that can't work out how to use their money. Now, that might be a little bit of Dutch thing, too. We're a bit judgmental <laughs> about that. Um, so, forgive me. <laughs> we love the but, Dutch. It's all good. Uh, so, um, so, I just thought, that is something I'm really frustrated about. And I want to help people with that. So, mm-hmm. that's when it started to sort of, it's, it's sort of a little seed, I guess, that got so in my, so in my heart. And, um, and so, I sort of let it sit because a whole lot of stuff happened in my mm-hmm. life after that. And I just had a whole lot to deal with. So, it just sat there. And then, when I came across last year, and I was, I was doing these things that God asked me to do, like praying for people and putting myself more and more out there and getting... Yeah less comfortable but more grown up I suppose <laughs> um, I just came across this cap thing and I thought you know what it would be great just to go and do the training and, and give it a go cool. and I did and uh, yeah and you've now just run the, our first yeah we did our course, first eh? course yeah 
And even then, I just go out and go, I don't actually know if I can do this. You know, I mean, I'm not a presenter. I don't, I don't do these things well. I don't even speak the language properly. You know, like, <laughs> I've got all these excuses of why I wouldn't be doing a good job. But you did it anyway. But I did it anyway, yeah. Okay. Face your fear and do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it is a woohoo moment, isn't it? Um, and so, so we just started small. Uh, didn't have loads of people for this first one. No, which but, is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that was a good kind of learning opportunity. And, but what did you see, like, happen for people there? Or were there uh, any sort of takeaways for you that yeah, were really yeah, important? Yeah, yeah, just really, really rewarding um, to see how people move from A to B and to, to just see this light switch on and go, wow, it's so simple and I can do this, you know? And for, for, to give them hope mm. to actually... You know, to, to see that it will work and, yeah. That's no, it's very really cool. cool. Awesome. Yeah. That, and we'll do more. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying no anymore. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's so good. Thanks, Manny. Cool. Cool. So this is the kind of stuff it looks like. It's learning how to pray for people and it's running financial management courses or attending a financial management course. You know, it's uh, Nairi, one of our ladies that's a part of the church. You know, like she prays for anyone with a pulse, really. You know, uh, last year we were walking down Silverdale Village and uh, Hammer and Tong were just setting, they were just sort of fitting out their business, which is a small uh, food place in Silverdale Village. And we uh, were chatting to the two young women, young, they're younger than me, um, uh, who were setting this up, setting this business up. And it was, you know, like a risky venture for them. They've done really well, but they didn't know that then. And so we're chatting away, and the next thing, Nori's like, oh, well, can we pray for you? And she didn't mean we'll go away and pray for you. She's like, we'll pray for you right here in the street. And so we just prayed a very short blessing, you know, for them as they were establishing their business. You know, Fiona and uh, Nikki, who are running our, our parenting course for pe parents of preschoolers, that's kicking off, is it Tuesday? Yeah. Um, and, you know, they've done that because they have a passion for supporting families, you know, and caregivers and wanting people to do well. And if you want to be part of that, I think there's still time. I mean, that's the cool thing. There's all these different things that are happening that, I mean, I only know a tiny fraction of what you're all doing. But all of it is just like, it's wonderful. You carry the kingdom into, you know, the police force, into your schools, into, you know, all of this, these different arenas that you operate in. So we're going to just want to end and remember we are invited into this thing. Everyone gets to play. We're invited into this. We have a mandate for this. We have this calling and this authority we've been given to live into this. And we get to play, and the playground is vast. Our playing field is everywhere God sends us, and we can expect to meet him there and for him to equip us as we make ourselves available to him. So why don't we stand? I think one of the things... Uh, that we want to make sure we keep addressing in our thinking is that we don't limit the expression of our pursuit of Jesus and the things that we are living into just within the confines of the church. We want to make sure that we keep thinking beyond that. God's got, like, he's got way bigger plans than just for here. 
And there may be some people here that are uh, like they're hearing all of this and they're going, well, yeah, I don't even really know who this Jesus is. He sounds pretty good though. You know, the people that I'm here with have loved me in such a way that, you know, he is really attractive to me. I don't have it all figured out, but I'd like to say yes to him for the first time. Or it could be that there's someone here who said all of that a while ago, but life's happened. And you've sort of just found yourself in a place somewhat removed from where you were with God, and you want that back. Or you may be here just listening to this going, yeah, I want in. I want to play. I don't know what that looks like or what I'm doing, but yes to that. I want that. Then we want to pray for you. You know, Matt, last week, you know, one of our best prayers is come Holy Spirit. It's this knowing, we know that the Holy Spirit is within us. As followers of Jesus, it says that this Holy Spirit dwells within us. But there's, this, there's these layers of him that as we gather together, the Holy Spirit is here. And that he loves to be with us and he loves to meet with us. And so we're going to pray and I'm going to invite anyone that would want us to pray for them. We're going to do that as well. And uh, I haven't figured that part out yet, but why don't we pray and uh, we'll just see what happens. So Lord, here we are, your people, your children. And we want to play. You say that we can. We don't know what that means some of the time, a lot of the time. But it sounds kind of exciting. And you say that you're with us in it. And so Lord, we want to say yes to you again. For some of us, that might be the first time that we've ever said yes to you. Lord, I pray that you'd come and that you would meet with them. that you would fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit, that they would know your presence in a way that they've never experienced before. Or for any of us that are here that have just drifted, life has happened and we find ourselves just distant from you and we're longing to be close again. Lord, would you give these people the gift of your presence? And Lord, where there's this invitation to all of us to say yes to you, to say, yes, I want to play. Everyone gets to play. Count me in. I'm in the team. I'm going to be on the field. I want in on this. Lord, would you give us courage? Would you equip us? Would you empower us? You say that you will. You say that you will come and you will fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit and that we will be your witnesses to all the earth. Lord, we want to start right here today in our neighbourhood in Stanmore Bay on the Hibiscus Coast in Auckland. God, we say yes to You. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us again, empower us again. Amen.